Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. All of us deal with injustice, and whether it's personally from family or friends or coworkers or even our employers, we all deal with injustice. Sometimes it's in the world around us. It's the government. There's a lot of injustice in the government. There's a lot of corruption, which is why I'm on the Ethics Commission. The Ethics Commission directly deals with corruption in our city government. It's only for the city, but it's a small part that I can play if there is corruption. God gives us jurisdiction and authority and oversight. He gives us wisdom and insight of how to deal with injustice. Feels like there's injustice all around at various times. I would say that the world is very unjust. Sometimes you're going to deal with injustice with contracts, agreements. Maybe you feel like there's a great injustice with taxes, inflation. Sometimes it's another driver on the road. Sometimes it's with people that you don't know. We all have injustice that happens around us. And if you're not dealing with injustice, it's inevitable that at some point you will because Jesus dealt with injustice. The key is how you respond to injustice and to not be the one who brings the injustice in the circumstances of your life. God calls us all to be just. He calls us all to live just. And all of us at one point or another lived unjustly, which is why we needed Jesus. We all need Jesus because we have had corruption in our own hearts and maybe some of us still do. I've often said that if you want to uh, fix anything around you, fix yourself. Deal with the injustice inside your own heart. Many times God has dealt with me. I Speaking to the mountain, God says, speak to the mountain in your heart. I get frustrated with other people and God says, look at yourself and make sure that you're living upright and just because how we live in turn affects everything around us. Biblically, we're commanded to act, respond, and love a certain way no matter what injustice comes our way, which is what we're going to talk about today. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. These are five things mentioned in one scripture that are the qualities and the hallmarks of a healthy Christian community. It also preserves the culture for generations to come. If we want to preserve a healthy culture and a standard that God set in place long after we're here for our children and those to come, we have to have these qualities and hallmarks in this community. This is what defines a healthy church family. Number one, being like-minded. What does it mean to be like-minded? To be like-minded means to share the same religious beliefs and ethical practices, which in turn produces 
cohesion. You know what cohesion is? Cohesion is the action or fact of forming a united whole. Now, holistic is a very important term for me. I started a school called the Firestorm School of Ministry with the vision to raise up holistic believers to build holistic churches. I love the word synergy, that the two, that, yeah, the, the two together becomes one, and now the one is more powerful than the two that are separate. And that all the ministries point together for one purpose. Not one is any greater than the other. In fact, the Bible says in a body, the weakest is the most important. Give more preference to the weakest. And so in a holistic understanding, it's that we understand that all of us are different. We all have unique gifts, talents. Some of you are seers. Some of you are prophets. Some of you are evangelists. Some of you are teachers. Some of you have the gift of helps. Some of you are really great at hospitality, right? We often say that people will come here for the experience, but they'll stay for the relationships. And if you don't build relationships at some point, the supernatural experiences won't be as exciting to you anymore, which they should always be exciting. But we don't stay just for the supernatural. We stay because of family and community. And so... Being like-minded means that we all have a similar belief system in our religious beliefs and our ethical practices, which in turn causes us to become one. Because there's a lot of different people in here. There's a lot of people that are wild and extravagant and some that are highly introverted and quiet. There's people that have a lot of different backgrounds and doctrinal beliefs. A lot of you have shared experiences and some of you have no shared experiences. Some of you have good and bad experiences with church. Some of you have no church experience until you came to Rock City. And so the standards and the culture that we put in place at this church, the way we worship, the way we pray, the way that we teach on family, the way we work together, serve together, love together, give together, the way we set cultural standards and cultural norms, as we all, in a sense, buy into that and become more like Christ, what happens? We become unified. The greatest thing that makes us like-minded is a right belief system about Jesus Christ and the Christian living that comes from our eyes being on him and knowing him. It's paramount. If your eyes aren't on Jesus and you're not eating from the tree of life, then what we're going to hand to each other is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we'll be killing one another. I'm always under the microscope. I'm under the microscope right now. People are trying to determine whether they like me, whether they don't like me, whether they like what I say or they don't like what I say. It doesn't matter. As long as what I'm giving away and what I'm becoming is spiritual and is bringing life to others and I'm bringing truth and health and freedom whether they like it or not. Not everybody's gonna like you. But being like-minded is different. This isn't personality-based. This is what I want you to understand. This isn't based on charisma, charm, attraction. Being like-minded comes from being like Christ, living like Christ, 
and then understanding what the cultural norms of this community are. And if somebody doesn't like that or they don't want to embrace that, that's okay. There's 850 churches in the Coastal Bend region and it's not a competition. You have to be spirit-led where God calls you. You have to understand doctrine. You have to understand the word. And you have to understand that God may call you to a place that in your preferences and your style and what you like, he doesn't, that's not what it's about. He doesn't care about that. He's calling you to something different. It's okay to embrace different. It's okay to come to a church where people see in the spirit, where they worship, where they prophesy, where we cast out demons, where we embrace the supernatural, but even more than that, we're healthy and strong and solid in our faith, in our understanding of God's word, and in the way that we love and treat one another. Because it's, it's not always about the supernatural. It's about unity and common unity being together as one. So notice the first thing is like-minded. So your heart should be to understand what is the cultural norm, and then also to understand that God puts you in a place where all of us are called to be submitted. Now, submissive or submission is not a very popular word in this day and age. In fact, submission and humility in the Roman era was considered major weakness. But according to Jesus, submission and humility is full of power. And it's actually not weakness. Submission and weakness are not synonymous. The next four things are compassion, love for one another, sympathy, and humility. Compassion, love for one another, sympathy, and humility, all in verse 8. Though I like the word tender-hearted because I want to keep my heart tender. There's a lot of things that can cause me to get angry, frustrated, hurt, jaded, mad, unforgiving, bitter, apathetic. And the more I look at the things of this world or the injustices that happen to my life, if my eyes are on the injustice, what I see is what I become. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so if I allow myself to become or focus on the things of this world or things that go wrong against me or against you, if you focus on those things, those are the things that take root in your heart. So God says, stay tenderhearted, be compassionate. The word courteous is also the word humble. Stay humble at all times. Verse nine, not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling. You know, reveling is a very difficult word that some of you may not understand or know how to respond to it. But the word reveling means criticism in an abusive or angrily insulting manner. How many of you like to be insulted? So what happens when someone insults you? What happens when someone slanders you? Well, I'm going to tell you what's supposed to happen. Not repaying, not returning, not giving back what somebody gave to you, which is most people's natural tendency. Not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling. 
but on the contrary, blessings. So what are we supposed to return to someone when they bring injustice to your life? Now, there's a bigger reason. This is, for some of you, this can seem easier said than done. But the longer that you walk with the Lord and the longer you understand the judge of righteousness and the great judge, the king of kings, who sees everything and watches everything and actually watches us more than what other people do to us and know, knowing in our hearts that God will fight on our behalf even when injustice is done to you, once you learn that and you see that, you can do this. And my job is to help you to understand that when people insult you and treat you poorly and defame you and slander you and insult you and speak abusively against you, that when you respond properly, God says, now you've given me the ability to move on your behalf. Because if you don't respond properly, you took the matter of justice into your own hands. Wrong tree. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now I know it's right and wrong and it puts me in the justice seat versus letting the great judge have his way. So on the contrary, here's what we return. Not returning evil or reveling, but on the contrary, return blessing. Knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Did you catch that? I'm gonna inherit something when I do the right thing. More so do the righteous thing. This is in your marriage. This is with your children. This is with friends, family, coworkers. This is with the U.S. government. This is with our city government. This is with contracts, agreements. What every single thing we deal with in life, you're going to have an opportunity to respond right or unjustly, no matter what comes your way. And so when we return blessing and when we understand we were called to this, you have to understand this is a calling for a Christian. If you're a Christian, you have a responsibility and a mandate to respond properly. And when you respond properly with blessing, God says, guess what you're gonna get back? So treat, treat me bad. And when I respond like Christ, guess who gets to be the better one in the long run? In fact, biblically, the Bible says, if I actually respond right when you treat me wrong, I could actually save you. This is the problem with submission is that you have to understand the word submission means an undergirding. It means you may think that you're one-upping me and that you're beating me and you're abusing me and you're slandering me and you're insulting me. And I, it may look like weakness to you. But little do you know. I'm telling you, you got to stop fighting for yourself and let Jesus fight for you. He is the great judge. Oh, this only gets better. This only gets better. Say, I was called to this. Come on, everybody say this. I was called to this. Verse 10, for he who would love life and see good days, who would like 
to love life and see good days. I'm not talking about love my own life. I mean, I want to have a passion and excitement for life. I want to raise my kids with wide-eyed wonder of the beauty of what God has created. I want to raise my kids to not be worried or afraid about what's coming down the line. I want to fight for my kids for 50 years from now. And there's things I have to shield and protect my kids from that they don't need to know or ever hear. I can handle it because of the maturity of Christ in me. So I don't have to put it on them. So now they can experience the wonder of life and it's full of joy instead of being burdened down and beat down and angry and mad and apathetic about how bad the world is. The world is bad, but the kingdom's not. So I fit this, you fit this. If you can see the scripture. (laughs) He who would love life and see good days, here's what's expected. Watch your mouth. Check your heart. You know, the mouth is so directly correlated to your heart. Deception, deceit, anger. What's in you comes out of you, I guarantee it. So he who would love life, and this is Psalm thir- coming from Psalm 34, by the way. Let him refrain his tongue from evil, evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Because God knows from the treasure of your heart, the mouth, what is the treasure of your heart? And here in a minute, we're going to see that we are required to sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts at all times. So he's talking about your mouth. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Right living, right believing produces right living, which produces a right response no matter what. The onus is always on us and the judgment is on him. Watch your mouth, do good, and seek peace. And understand that when you do those things, what happens? God's watching and God's hearing. Now, if you have an inaccurate view of the Father's heart, this scripture will terrify you. If you're living in hiding and fear and shame, that's why, look, if you're blowing it and bomb it, just get it to the light. It's better to be truthful and honest than to hide in fear and shame. Because God can work on you and we can deal with it once it comes to the light. You got nothing to be afraid of or ashamed of. I'm sorry if you came from places where people beat you down and the mindset is if you really knew what I was doing, you wouldn't like me. But actually, if I really knew what you were doing, I would love you more. Because I have people come up to me all the time in tears. Pastor, I just, I got to tell you this. And the minute they start confessing things to me, I feel the presence of God. I start to weep and I have this burning love and care for them because I see them the way God sees them. Can you imagine if you really believed that God was watching and listening to your prayers? 
I want you to imagine it for a minute. That's the understanding of if his eyes on the sparrow, the sparrow, how much more? He, not even one falls to the ground without him knowing. This is another level of lordship that most of us haven't tapped into, but I suggest that you tap into it now. You don't have to wait till tomorrow because even in worship, I was talking to God about tomorrow. He said, stop worrying about tomorrow. Focus on the right now. It's lordship. Do you really believe that God's watching? Now, you also have to understand the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, a lot of people don't like that because they want to believe that everybody's saved and they just don't know it, but that's not true. And on the contrary, you have to understand that the people in this world that are doing evil, God's face is against them. But the great news is, is that as they get more broken, as they realize they can't do it on their own, as they realize they don't have the favor and the blessing of God on them, and they start to see the hope in God's people, it's the contrast. This is where you're going to start to see the harvest come from. His people are going to realize they can't do it on their own anymore. And they're going to be looking for real answers and real truth and real hope, which you're going to see here in just a moment. Verse 13. Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. So this scripture makes it very clear that no one can harm you if you're a follower of what is good, which what is good is such an important thing for you to understand. When we look at the concept of being good, it means to be noble, praiseworthy, and morally upright. And that only comes from being hidden in Christ. It doesn't come from works. Righteous giving requires righteous living. But we're not preaching righteousness in your own strength or measuring up to perform. What we're really preaching is get hidden inside of Christ and get your eyes on Jesus and be spirit-led. So let's take the pressure off. Follow him, do what he says, follow in his footsteps and you'll become like him. Set him apart in your heart at all times. It's really actually not that complicated. We make it harder by what we focus on and what we look at. It doesn't have to be that hard, folks. There's a much better and easier way. The world system's trying to identify you. That's why God says, become like a child. The creative genius in a child is off the charts. Once they start to get older, they start to lose that because they start being identified what other pe- by what other people say about them. And then they get a self-conscious, which comes from the wrong tree, that causes them to want to be like something or someone else instead of be like Christ and dream like him and with him. So then they lose it. And as we get older, we lose that creative genius inside of us and that wide-eyed wonder of God. And then God says that actually now you have to go backwards and become like a child, which really isn't going backwards, it's actually going forwards but we can see it as going backwards. I'd rather stay like a child all day long and never think that I have figured it out. You can come hit me with the greatest theological questions and if I don't know the answer, I have no problem telling you I'm not sure about that. I don't need to be the high and mighty anything. I just need to be a son and a child and I need to love really well and God can use me and he can use you just like that. 
I didn't earn this. I didn't deserve it. I didn't work to it. It was God's kindness and mercy that put me in the spot. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. But if you learn to shut your mouth and stop being deceitful and angry and mad and slandering and backtalking and gossiping and understanding God's watching everything that you say and do and listening to your prayers, now it shifts. So instead of fighting for justice in your strength, you let God bring justice in his strength. Appreciate that. <sighs> Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. It doesn't matter because I'm blessed. The word blessed is this understanding of I'm at peace, I'm happy, I'm at rest, I'm cared for, God trusts me, God loves me, he always is watching me and I have nothing to worry or fear about no matter what happens in the world around me. Can you imagine this kind of life? You would break depression, fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, sleeping pills, drugs, alcohol, nightmares, worrying about the devil. I'd never really ever even have to talk or address the devil. He's already defeated. He's under my feet. And if he rears his ugly head, he's, it's bad for him. I'm not the guy you want to mess with. You're not the girl he should be messing with because of who's inside of you. It's not in your own strength. It's because of him. Don't be afraid of their threats nor be troubled. You know why? Because you're going to be threatened and there's trouble's going to try to come your way. Verse 15, but here's the real answer. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you with how? With arrogance and pompous pride and anger and, or with meekness and fear. Because meekness and fear doesn't really sound like very, a lot of strength, but it actually makes you stronger. It's fear of God, not fear of the person. It's that every word I say I'm speaking on his behalf. Now I better think twice about what I say and stop speaking out of my rear end or both sides of my mouth. It's a bridled tongue. We keep coming back to the tongue to give an answer, how you speak. And you better have meekness and fear inside your heart because when you give an answer with meekness and fear, these people are asking you, what is it about you? I've slandered you. I've insulted you. I've ripped you to shreds. I've defamed you. I've done all I could to beat you down. And all you did was speak blessing back and be spirit-led. And, and there's so much hope inside of you, no matter what I've done, I've tried to crush you. And you couldn't be crushed. What is it about you? Now I come back, not with more arrogance and I told you so's, but I come back with meekness and fear to give an answer or a defense. The word to give an answer is the word apologia. It means I'm now pleading on your behalf for you that you should understand. It does mean I'm apologizing for what I'm doing because if you actually look up the word apology in the dictionary, there's a bunch of definitions. And one of them is giving a defense for the reason and the hope that's inside of you. You want to know what's going on? You persecuted, beat me down, crushed me, 
or tried to crush me, struck me on one cheek, took my tunic, took my clothes, robbed me, stole from me, and none of that affected me. None of that made me angry and made me treat you poorly. Instead, I blessed you back and I loved you because the God of the universe is on my side. Take it. It is, was never mine to begin with. And if you take it, I'll get 10 times as much back. Now, that's a different kind of thinking, isn't it? But that's biblical thinking. But see, the world says, oh, well, look how weak you are. And God says, oh, little do they know, I'm standing right beside you. So sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Another way to say this in verse 15 is sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. It's lordship. Verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, defamation, lawsuit. People will defame you. Man, you hurt my reputation. You can't hurt my reputation because my reputation's not in the opinion of man. This is so contrary to the world system, folks. So I was doing the, the righteous thing. I was doing good. I was blessing. And now I'm being defamed actually as an evildoer. So when they do defame you as an evildoer, guess what? When they revile your good conduct in Christ, guess who gets ashamed? Not you. Why would other people be ashamed when they revile you and defame you? Because they didn't mess with you. You mess with the wrong person now. I'm with him. I've had all this happen. This isn't, I'm not just preaching this. I've been called a cult leader, crazy person, crazy church. I've had doors slammed in my face. I've been treated poorly. My wife's been treated poorly. And all the while it gets, says, zip your lip. I know you really want to let that person have it. Or how about this one? Tie your fingers. <clears throat> you know, David, King David said, God trained my fingers for war. That's not how we war. Or if we write, we're writing like Paul writes. So having good conscience when they defame you as evildoers, though who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it's better if it is the will of God to, suffering for do, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So what I want you to also know is that you can do good. Now understand, God doesn't want you to be good. He wants you to do good. And the only way you're gonna do good is to be spiritual. Stop living this religious behavior modification lifestyle. I don't know when some of y'all are gonna get it. You're still picking the daisy. He loves me, he loves me not. And you're, you're, you are validating your walk with Christ based on what you do and don't do. So if you do good or do the right thing, then God's pleased. But when I don't do good or I mess up, see, for Christians, you get something that's really powerful. It's called mercy and forgiveness. 
Lots of it. Lots of mercy and forgiveness. First Peter chapter two, we're gonna go back. We're gonna look at Jesus real quick and then we'll close. Servants, that's you and me. Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. So wait a minute. I have to be submissive to people, especially those that are over me, that are harsh? The answer is yes. But you need to understand that submission is not weakness. Now, I was a wrestler, state champion wrestler. If I could get you to submit or pin you, I win. This is not that. The devil's already been pinned. He's already on his back, folks. Submission means that the more you persecute me, the more you slander me, the more you insult me, the more they do it to you, the more like Christ you become because that's the way he took it. And instead he was gentle, lowly, and humble and didn't fight back and repay evil for evil. Hence God saw it as commendable, blessed him and the other person lost. Now I don't want people to lose, but I already know that some people are gonna lose. I want to win the prize. I'm running in such a way to win it. So should you. For this is commendable, verse 19. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief and suffering wrongly. You're going to have to endure grief and suffering and you're going to have to endure people doing you wrong. But the key is to have a, have a conscious, a good conscience toward God. What is a good conscience toward God? Conscious is my mind, will, emotions, my, how I feel about something. And I'm always feeling and focusing and putting my attention on him. Even when I'm talking to you, it doesn't mean I'm so Christianese and I'm always talking scriptures. You become the word of God in flesh. So now you have a good conscience toward God. It doesn't matter what anybody says or thinks about you. And that'll kill anxiety. Some of you got major anxiety issues. You have nothing to be anxious about. Not if you know the God of the universe is watching you and listening to you. It's not about your looks and your appearance and your styles and your preference and your money. All the stuff that the world wants to identify you by. And if you allow it to be by that, you'll have anxiety and fear and worry. That's what the Gentiles do, Matthew 6. Jesus says, don't even take any thought about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear, because that's what the pagans do. Hence, they have anxiety in the mind. It's in the Bible. You're stressed about your job, your money, your work, your things, your stuff. It's a lordship issue. I've had it for a long time in my life. I know this so well because I've had it for so long. But once I saw it, it shifted my life. It brings peace, it brings rest, it brings trust. So it's commendable from God that when you have a good conscience toward him to endure and to suffer, to endure suffering even wrongfully. Verse 20, what credit is it if when you're being beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? When I went to prison for LSD, I was like, thank God I only got caught with what I got caught with because I'd have been in a lot longer. I was like, man, it was inevitable. And I realized and understood like, man, when you do wrong, it's like, okay, busted. But when you do good and suffer, 
if you take it patiently. This is commendable before God. For this you were called. Here we are called again. Because Christ, now notice this, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And the challenge is, is so many people, even Christians, are not following his steps. You're following your own path and your own way and your own direction and your own dreams and your own desires. That's why you have to delight yourself in the Lord and he puts his desires inside of your heart. So Christ left us an example. Here it is, following in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. That's the standard. And I get it. If you fall short and I fall short, we have an advocate. But let's not let that be an excuse. Stop making excuses for sin. Well, I'm just human. No, that's human nature, carnal nature, crucified on the cross. You're hidden in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm made perfect in the pro- while I'm in the process of sanctification. God teaches you, he leads you, he guides you. He's patient with you. He has mercy and forgiveness on you. He cares about you. But the standard's the standard. Follow in his steps. Verse 23, who when he was reviled, insulted, slandered, abused, beaten, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten back, but he committed himself. This is, man, if there's one thing you see today, see this. Look, meditate on it. If, if you've struggled paying attention, see this one thing. Who did he commit himself to? The one who judges righteously. Because of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we judge unrighteously. Stop trying to do this in your own strength. Stop living in a world of right and wrong. Stop allowing yourselves to be a victim. Sonship and identity and victimhood don't go hand in hand. You're not a victim. Say that, I'm not a victim. Okay, whatever the US government does, I'm not a victim. But I'm gonna fight, but I'm gonna fight right. For a purpose, salvation, life, healing, power. And sometimes God will say, shut your mouth. And sometimes God will say, open your mouth. That's why the best thing I can teach you is to be spirit-led. And walk in supernatural power. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, the true sign of an apostle is first perseverance, overcoming, enduring, all I'm teaching. And then signs and wonders. It's one thing to do a lot of talking, but at some point you got to do some showing. And God knows how to show up through somebody that's submitted, that loves right, that honors right. And some of you are like, man, where's the power of God? I'm not saying, where's the signs, wonder, miracles? Well, maybe we should check our hearts and shut our mouth and start looking at him and following in his footsteps. And God says, okay, there's a vessel. Because the truth is, is God has used a lot of jacked up people with bad character through signs and wonders and miracles. And I don't know how God can, why God does it, but he does it. If he can talk through a donkey, he can talk through you. But I'd rather not be that guy. I'd rather be healthy and whole, in hidden in Christ. And God says, you're, my, you're a vessel now that loves right, leads right, and you're not gonna get prideful and arrogant. 
Because for some of you, if God started showing up in supernatural power in your life, the way that you are, it will kill you. Your gift will kill you. Your gift can kill you. He committed himself to the one who judges rightly. Luke 6, 27, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. We have been spitefully used in this last season of our lives. We lived what I'm teaching you today. We're still living it. But there's a righteous judge. He's faithful. Romans 12, 17 through 21, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. This is the positive side of the negative command not to return evil for evil. A Christian should not concentrate on the evil in others, but instead should focus on what is good. By doing so, we encourage others around us to aspire to do the good. Why are you so focused on the evil around you? Stop focusing on the evil. Be just. Return life, blessing, power, speak life. Let the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings do what he does best. He knows your injustice. He knows that person that stabbed you in the back. He knows the liars, the haters, the cheaters, the stealers. He sees everything and he can handle it way better than we can. He sees the pedophiles. He sees the injustices done to children. God's not caught off guard. He declares the decree and he begets children and he pulls them out of the worst situation. Psalm 2, I have declared the decree. Today you are my son. I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. So don't avenge yourself. Oh, I'll show you this one thing, 18. If it's possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know why that's written like that? Because sometimes it's not possible. And that's not on you, that's on them. You don't get the rights, man. You are so jacked up and crazy. I can't live peaceably with you. That's not how that works. Is that people will make the decision to not live peaceably with you for whatever reason. And some, but notice as much depends on who? It depends on you. And it's really Christ in you. Verse 19, don't avenge yourself, beloved, but rather give place to wrath for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you actually heap burning coals of fire on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know how else to teach it to you or tell it to you. Is that you need to understand the reason why God tells you to live this way is because it doesn't really actually matter what somebody does to you. Now, I'm not saying that we turn a blind eye to everything and I'm going to open up my front door and my front gate and come in and rob me blind or harm my children. It means that God's a God of justice and if you don't know how to be spirit-led and do it his way, you'll always do it your way. I'd rather it be his way, wouldn't you? You know, it's so funny. I, 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 I... I say it's funny and I can't really tell you that I've enjoyed it, but somehow in my flesh I've enjoyed watching the fall of some really great politicians 
that were manifesting about a year ago and calling Christianity crazy and Christians crazy. And now their whole world came crumbling down. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. And it's not that I take pleasure in watching the downfall of the wicked, but it's what I do understand is that you don't break God's laws, they break you. And so as much as you may be angry and upset by what's happening in the world, don't you think that God's caught off guard? Don't think that God's not caught off guard. Or you know what I want to probably not say. God's not caught off guard. How's that? Didn't say that right. Who's the judge that judges righteously? You should be the life givers, the peace givers. And you need to understand that when you return blessing in the worst case scenarios and situations, God says, oh, I saw that. This is commendable. You know what the word commendable means? I'm gonna praise you for that. I'm commending you. I'm gonna give you honor. So when it seemed like you weren't getting honor or praise and you really did all the right things, and this goes back to my message about bearing your cross, suffering servants. Everybody was sure Job must have done something wrong. Oh, Jesus, he had to have deserved the cross. So this church has our eyes on Christ and we're gonna live by the five things. We're gonna love one another. We're gonna have compassion, sympathy. We're gonna learn the language. We're gonna learn the culture. I love you a lot, but if you don't like the culture, find somewhere else. I I can't change it. I can only be true to what God calls us to be true to. And there's other great cultures and kingdoms, but or not kingdoms, but other kingdom mindsets. Let's get unified. Watch your mouth. Stop speaking deceit. Stop being so angry. I get it. I hate the injustice happening from the White House and the world around us. But you know what? I serve a great big God. And I know God's got a plan. God's got a big plan. A big, 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 big plan. And I know somebody's gonna treat us wrong. I see it all the time. But I also know God's watching. His eye is on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. I'm listening, son, what do you, let's talk. We're in a situation that God said to me, it's already done, I've already declared it, but I want you to pray. Well, why should I pray if God already declared it? He says, because I want you to supplicate and learn how to come in agreement with me. Now your prayers shift from petition and begging to agreement and supplicating. Now I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a son with jurisdiction on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? All right, guys, stand up. I went long. Let's pray. Now, some of you are dealing with major injustice in your life. Some of you have been just angry, mad, frustrated. Please, I'm telling you, one of the best things you'll do is shut off social media and the news or limit it substantially. And what you know, if you don't have the capacity, can you imagine if I started 
telling my seven and eight-year-old all the hatred and the anger and the stuff that's happening in the world around us. Seven and eight-year-old can't handle that. Some of you are in the same place spiritually. I know you don't want to admit that because you think you got it all handled. You can handle it. But there's some stuff you can't handle. And you don't need to. Get under the cleft of the rock. Get under the cleft of the rock. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Jesus, thank you so much that no matter what reveling or reviling comes our way, no matter what happens in the world around us, no matter what's happening, the injustices in the schools, the injustices with the world, the chaos, the confusion that's on the outside, may it never be on the inside. And may we always return blessing even when we're persecuted. May we be submitted and understand that doesn't mean being weak. You're not called to be weak except weak before the Lord so his strength is made perfect. So I speak perfect strength to you. I speak comfort, life, health, Wisdom, get wisdom today. Wisdom and the Holy Spirit to fill you and strengthen you. May the power of God rush right through the, your veins and the, your body and just may he just empower you with more life and comfort and hope. We're here for a purpose in such a time as this. Stay steady even when it seems mundane, folks. Stay steady. God's, God's got big things coming down the line. We're all going to be a part of it. Be faithful in the little. Be faithful in the little. You're, you are being watched for a good reason. No more wickedness, no more evil. Repent. If you've been living on the contrary, repent. Just right now, repent. Lord, I'm, I don't want to live like that, God. I'm sorry. So God, I thank you for this church. Thank you, God, that no matter what comes our way, Lord, we never have to worry or fear. You never have to worry. If God is for you, no one or anything can be against you. I bless your life mightily with hunger, thirst, dreams, vision, signs, wonders, and wisdom about the call of God on your life. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.